Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. All right, thank you and on with the show. We have a very special story for this Chinese New Year. Dr. Nicholas Nung is a performer, composer and researcher at the Sydney Conservatorium of Music. He's retold a Chinese creation story for Kindling Kids Radio. It's called The Four Dragons Story. Nick is with us now. Hi, Nick. How are you? Good. And how are you today? Good. Thank you. How do you celebrate Chinese New Year in your house? Well, it's um, an extended family event, so everyone's there. Um, I don't know if you've seen movies like my Greek, Fat Greek Wedding, but yes. it's something like that. <laughs> Brilliant. So it's, lo- it's loud, it's noisy. It's loud and lots of food and, no- yeah, very noisy. Lots of food. Yeah. And you have an almost two-year-old. Yes. That's quite young. I mean, how do you in- include a child of that age? What does she enjoy about the celebrations? Oh, well, we've only had, had it once. Two I was going to say, <laughs> you've <laughs> yeah. only seen it once, That's and at right. one to two is such a huge difference, isn't it? This is true. Yes, yeah. yes. We're noticing the differences as she gets older, and well, I think even last year we weren't even in Australia; we we're in Hawaii. Wow. Um, so we we had a Hawaiian Chinese New Year. It was amazing. Oh, um, how interesting! Yeah, we went to Chinatown there, and there's a huge pageant with the Miss Hawaii Beauty Queen in a. Um, in a Porsche. <laughs> That's quite amazing. Yeah, it sounds quite non-traditional, but um, <laughs> what would you enjoy sharing with her about the Lunar New Year? I think um, I'd probably share what I had when I was growing up as a child. So all the things that we are familiar with now, the food, um, there's this custom of giving out money to younger people if you're... Um, I guess if you're over 18, um, you're entitled to gift people with money in red packets. So it's it's almost like a, another Christmas. Yeah. Um, straight after Christmas, I guess, and before Easter. <laughs> so yeah, it's, a, it's a holiday I used to look forward to, you know. Um, Is there any special, I mean, you mentioned the food. Are there any specific dishes that are made just for the Chinese New Year? Oh, yeah, there are quite a few. There's um, a sticky cake called Nian Gao, and um, it's a bit like a... Well, it's not like baklava, but, you know, it's that kind of sweetness. So very sweet. Um, and yen, in fact, means sweet. And it's, mean to, it's meant to bring in goodness and all the things that come with sweetness, you know, into the new year. So it's all very symbolic. So everything's symbolic. That's love. Yeah. I love that idea. Yeah. So what is the actual symbolism of the Lunar New Year? Well, we have to go back to China for that. And um, being an agricultural society, the new moon for the start of the cycle, for the next cycle of 12 moons, I guess, um, happened around spring, the start of spring. Uh, so everything was, uh, I guess, built around um, the cycle of crops and um, the melting of the snow. And so, you know, then you have a new beginning. Um, so that that is the meaning of um, Lunar New Year. Actually, it's the start of something new. And, for many people. Mm. And so the symbolism, does it, in your um, experience, does it sort of allow you to push out the old and yes. move forward? Yeah, that's right. So um, so everyone has to wear new clothes. Every- oh, I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. There's a saying that you have to buy as many new things as you can uh, so that everything's new. 
Um, and it's a little bit funny for us growing up because some families uh, uh, wear red underpants, so you have to buy a fresh pair of red underpants. <laughs> Um, and we don't actually do this in my family, but in my wife's family, it's done. And so, so yeah, like because of that, yeah, because of that, now we. <laughs> so you, we maybe you're going to need a little red nappy. She can't be right. toilet trained yet. Surely. She's not toilet trained yet. That's right. A red nappy would be great. Oh, that's fantastic. There's there's a marketing thing in that. I'm sure you're listening to Kindle in Conversation. I'm speaking with Dr. Nicholas Ning. He's a performer, composer, and researcher at the Sydney Conservatorium of Music, and he's with us now because he. Retold the Four Dragons story, which is a Chinese creation story for Kindling Kids Radio. It is our story of the week this week. And we've just been talking about what Chinese New Year means um, for Nick and his family. It's Year of the Dog. That's right. We're, we've just had the Chicken Year, the Rooster Year. I've got to say, I always think I, I was a dragon, and my daughter, as I mentioned to you before, is a fire dragon. So I'm a water dragon, she's a fire dragon, oh. and I just think. I don't have to do anything else now. I can just shut up shop. I don't even know what the symbolism of the dragon is, but come on. You've got rats, monkeys, chickens. I'm a dragon. Sorry. I, I, I think you lucked out there somehow. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're very lucky to be a dragon in, right. in, the, um, in the cosmology. Um, the dragon is one of the most auspicious. I think it's the most auspicious Oh, let's animal. just say yeah. it is. I'm, I'm yeah. going with it. <laughs> so tell me, what, is, what does it mean for Year of the Dog? What are the qualities of that particular star sign? Um, dogs tend to be loyal. Um, well, I guess all the characteristics of a dog as we know the dog. Um, and they're quite territorial. They're loyal. Um, there is um, the negative aspect with every um, every zodiac or star sign, and dogs tend to be a bit pessimistic, so they can be pessimistic animals. Aww. Yeah, but apart from that, they're just um, beautiful, cuddly people, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I was just thinking about boasting being a dragon. I'm also fire-breathing, so <laughs> take from that what you will. Um, okay, well, let's talk about the story um, that you retold for us. Let's have a little listen now. The Four Magnificent Dragons of China Told by me, Dr. Nicholas Ng This is a story about dragons Have you ever seen a dragon before? I have, in my dreams But once, there were many, many dragons flying in the sky Playing in the clouds Sleeping in caves And swimming in the ocean And people like you and me saw them This was a long, long, long time ago, when the world had no rivers or lakes. Can you imagine that? Now, I know that this is a creation story, so it's been told many times before. But how did you come to be reinterpreting, I guess, this Four Dragons story? I was uh, working at the Queensland Conservatorium and my contract was ending, And a colleague of mine said, why don't you try um, getting in touch with Glenn, who runs Young Workshop Australia? And I did, and Glenn asked if I could come up with a Chinese tale that could be uh, turned into a show, essentially, and then brought into schools around Australia. So I thought, wow, what a wonderful in-between job while I'm looking for my next thing. (laughs) My next thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, and this this took me around uh, Australia to different schools, public and private, and um, through Queensland Government, I also went into the bush to retell this story to uh, different schools and Aboriginal kids 
so it was a really wonderful experience, mainly because of the show um, that I had to come up with this story in a um, kind of a music and storytelling and puppetry format. Sounds fascinating. Um, what did it mean for you personally? I mean, was this a story you were told as a child and, you know, introducing it to the wider Australian community? I mean, did it have that kind of personal resonance for you? A little bit. We don't actually know the story through my parents as such, but I knew of the dragon story. I wasn't entirely sure of um, the complete narrative, so I had to go look it up and do my research. <laughs> and and so, yeah, through books and online. Online's amazing these days. You can find anything online. And um, I was noticing um, when you said research, you made the gesture for tapping on a keyboard. <laughs> yeah, and I thought, right. that's just how we do it. I mean, it's still research. <laughs> we is. just don't do that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, so could you tell us the story in a nutshell? I mean, I encourage anyone to have a listen yes. because it's a beautiful story. But what is the story in a nutshell? The story is basically about drought and um, the heavenly emperor, who is kind of like Zeus in the Greek mythology, but in Chinese pantheon, the Jade Emperor rules heaven, and he he, he forgot to send rain, basically, <laughs> <laughs> being a very busy man, you know, of course. Whole, whole entire universe to run and everything, <laughs> and so. Um, but the dragons knew that um, he could help, and so they lived in the Eastern Ocean, and they. Um, didn't really have anything else to do, I guess, and so they decided to help the people. They're very sad about what was happening. And back then, I don't reveal that it's China, I just say it's a, um, a long time ago, and there was no water at all, actually, back then. It was just a flat piece of land. That was the mythology. Um, no mountains, no rivers, no creeks. And so the dragons um, lived in a pool of water in the Eastern Ocean where there was water. And so they thought, well... Um, why don't we visit the emperor? The emperor knew about it, but told them to go away, basically, because he was too busy, and he would send it eventually. But there were a lot of other things he had to do. <laughs> so the dragon thought, well, this is not, you know, this is not on, <laughs> because these are nice dragons, as opposed to the dragons that eat people. Okay, yeah. good to know. Yeah. That's my star sign, a uh, nice dragon, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I think. A nice, nice dragon, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they decided to take matters into their own hands. They They got the water out of the Eastern Ocean, in their mouths and bellies, and they sprayed it across the um, across the land, and uh, well, therefore it's the end of the drought, and um, the people were fine, uh, but they got into a lot of trouble when the heavenly emperor found out, and he had them imprisoned. Oh dear! And yes, he even flew some mountains and landed them on top of each of the dragons so that they wouldn't run off and be naughty. Um, <laughs> it's a bit extreme. Yes, that's like, right. Next time your kid misbehaves, just find the nearest mountain. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Times were tough back then. Yeah. And so the dragons were stuck, but they eventually decided that they could turn themselves into water. Oh. And, um, and so this sort of imagery of water and serpents is quite an ancient one, I find, in many cultures of the world. And um, I find a lot of that in Aboriginal dreaming stories which I thought was, um, that's one of the reasons why I selected the story, I think, because it had a kind of Australian overlap in a way. Yeah, no, I can yeah. definitely see that. Yeah. It reminds me of Tiddalik the Frog and oh. how he was, they made him laugh and all the water came yeah. out. I mean, he's a frog or a dragon, but still. It's similar. It's similar. Very similar. So yeah. it's a creation story, which I'm sure every country in the world has one. But yeah. does it have 
do you think special significance for the Chinese people? I mean, the country itself has gone through such a incredible, yes. incredibly changing history. You know, yes. societal communism, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Does right. it still have its place? Do you think in Chinese culture? Oh yes, very much so. Um, well, the dragons themselves are now historical rivers. Uh, so Yellow Dragon in the story became the Yellow River, which is a really famous river in China. So all, each of the dragons now um, are remembered um, because they are an important water system in, in on the mainland. So so that's one of the um, the ways we remember the dragons, I guess, by telling this story. And uh, uh, I think. I think it's uh, really important for parents to tell their children stories. Um, so, yeah, and I think it really still has a lot of meaning, even though China has modernised a lot over the past few decades. And yeah, oh, it's fascinating. Yeah. Well, Nicholas, thank you so much for coming in and speaking with us. You're very welcome. That was Dr Nicholas Ning. He's a performer, composer and researcher at the Sydney Conservatorium of Music. He's retold the Four Dragons story, as we were just speaking about, for Kindling Kids Radio. And it is our story of the week. So you can hear it on Settle Pedal at 5pm this Friday. And of course, you can get it for free on the app after that. We're the Beanies. Get your child off screens and into their imagination as we explore how bubbles are made. What's in a sneeze? Achoo! And what's with the weather today? Professor Know-It-All knows. Hello, Beanies. Hello. The The Beanies. A podcast just for kids. Subscribe now on iTunes or listen anytime on the Kindling app.